signed up to the uh, Athens Marathon later on in the autumn, so he's in his training uh, uh, phase at the moment. But let's welcome him up to, onto the platform as he comes and shares this morning. Yeah, and judging by my running while I was on holiday, I've got a lot of training, a lot of weight to, to lose. Training to do, weight to lose. So good to be back. Um, I love this place. I've only, we've only been away a week, and it just like, well, no, one Sunday. And it just like, oh, it's just good to be back. I love it. Um, thank you, everyone, that made it in today for all the car parking restrictions, street closures, and all that kind of thing. Uh, you are amazing. Um, so it's great to, great to be together, isn't it? So this is the final part in our Risk Faith series. Ooh, is this working? Yeah, it is. Final part in our Risk Faith series uh, that we've been doing. Um, then we'll be starting a new topic in a couple of weeks' time. So what have we learned about risking faith so far? Well, apart from the fact none of you want to fly aircraft again, because every single session has started with an aeroplane crashing story. Um, we're not going to talk about an aeroplane crashing story this morning, but we have learned that so far. Faith is really living. Faith living is about vulnerable living. Faith risking God is eternally safe, but scary in the moment. Faith is placed in what we worship. Fear is a liar that steals from us. Faith trusts others in love that familiarity is the enemy of our now and our future life. And finally, faith is something we do together, and we call it church. So I want to expand on that a little bit um, today, just to bring all of that together and bring a bit of closure to it all for us. Um, when I was little at school, I loved project time. Who remembers doing school projects? Oh, it was such a good excuse for not working, wasn't it? It was just amazing. School project time, we, could, we were supposed to write up essays, do research. And for those under like 40, in the olden days when we did research, we had to go like get children's encyclopedias and, and storybooks and study books. There was no internet. Our, our school didn't even have a television set. We were like proper old school. We had whips and tops and things like that back in the day. We had not, but we were happy. We had Hitler and diphtheria, thought we were lucky. I love project time. And I always got told off in my projects, because some of you know I like to draw and paint and things. So all of my projects were full of pictures with no word content whatsoever. Um, but they always looked impressive on the outer cover. They just had nothing inside them. But my favourite one I did every time... You can pick your own topic. And every time we were able to pick our own school project, I would pick the same one. Has anybody else got... What, what was your favourite school project you, you did? Railways. Overcraft. Oh, Overcraft. That's a good one. They're like Channel Ferry ones and the first one. and, and oh, Brilliant. Overcraft, yeah. Traffic. Tra what? You did a school project on traffic. I am so glad I didn't go to your school. <laughs> Did you not pick your own topics? Oh, that's geography. I'm not, I'm not talking about subjects. I'm talking about proper projects, the one that you pick. Well, I did. I did. I did the Wright Brothers. So this is a flying thing. I did the right, that's the very first motorized flying aircraft. Because of that, 
you get to go on holiday in a jet. Just imagine flying that. To Corfu. <laughs> I did the Wright Brothers, and I thought the Wright Brothers were amazing. I made cardboard airplanes like that, none of them flew. And, and I, draw, I drew pictures, you know, I tried drawing that. And I wrote about it. Actually, I copied it out of my big book of flight that I got at home. I've still got somewhere, my, my big book of flight. I did the Wright Brothers. And I, I just thought they were really interesting people, the Wright Brothers. Wilbur Wright once said this, we could hardly wait to get up in the morning. We could hardly wait to get up in the morning. They were building a plane. He'd begun to believe that today could be the day, so he was committed to it totally. That could be the day they might fly. A little bit earlier, he'd said this in 1901. I said to my brother, Orville, that man will never fly for at least another 50 years. And then he said, but perhaps it is possible to fly without motors, but not without knowledge and not without skill. So we knew he needed to learn and to grow to fly. And then he said this, the desire to fly is an idea handed down to us by our ancestors. We look enviously onto the birds soaring freely through space on the infinite highway of the air, and we want to be there. See, people are made to look beyond themselves. We like to look beyond ourselves. We like to see what is possible, what is out there. We imagine that thing. And here's the incredible thing. In 1903, they flew. In 1903, they actually flew. And right now, all you're all thinking about is, whose phone is it? Not that the Wilbur and Orville Wright flew in 1903. So like there's an amnesty now. Find your phone, turn it off, find your kids' game they've left, and then we can all relax and get on with the sermon. You're not in trouble. It happens. It once happened to, I'm going to turn mine off. It once happened to me in the middle of a wedding service. My phone rang, so, and I was doing the wedding. So... You're not in trouble, stuff happens. So we'll go through that again. In 1901, he said, men will not fly for 50 years. And in 1903, they flew. And you all went, ooh. And it seemed to me that their practical story is like a parable of our life in God. We think we can't, but then we learn and we imagine and we grow and we dream. And we understand that the skills required and we have to disciple we have to grow in our vision, our imagination, because we have to grow in our excitement and anticipation, because maybe today could be the day. It says, um, I don't know if I've got this up. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've jumped out a bit. It says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who open the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is something about us and something in God. Even God is excited about the prospect of us soaring on wings like eagles. Even God wants us not to be weary, not to stumble, but to imagine. And you know, when we're doing the grind of life and the, the grind of everyday church and we're back in church and we're away from church, we've got this event in church and we're cleaning church and we look at the diary for church, we can start to think that that's weary and we can stumble and fall. But the point is we're doing this because we're training, we're learning, we're preparing, we're growing vision and we know that maybe this could be the morning that we fly. Yeah. That we rise upon wings like eagles.
And that, that's why I'm just thrilled for a story that connects with what I'm saying this morning about Varnsdorf. My experience of Varnsdorf, <sighs> Julie and I stayed with a, a, just a delightful, very Christian couple, very Christian couple, very deeply spiritual. Um, they made pizza for us when we arrived, and they'd never actually had pizza, just thought Western people ate pizza. So they basically gave us a huge chunk of bread with uh, tomato ketchup on, um, cottage cheese on top of that, and some sort of meat on top of that, and served it to us, huge amounts of it, huge amounts of it, for our supper, and for breakfast, and for lunch. We weren't leaving until... (laughs) And then they didn't speak any English whatsoever, we spoke no Czech, but we still had a Bible study before breakfast in Czech. Wow. But that said, we had a great time there, and we did a thing in the cinema. Is it a nightclub? Yeah. Wow. God's good, isn't he? Oh, God, he's so good. See, the most exhausting thing you can do is to do nothing. And how exhilarating is it to discover that when we begin to do something, we find energy. You know, it's an amazing thing that the more you do, the more you're able to do. Because we're made in God's image. And God is not a passive God who just sits there. God is always anticipating. God is always creating. God is always moving. And that's what's been placed in us. The desire for adventure and for new to grow. That's why we need to create and to risk faith. To risk the adventure. It's who we are. It's Christ in us. But it's also a little bit scary. Because I'm intelligent. I've been reading a little sword and Kierkegaard recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when you're typing famous Christian quotes. And he, he says this. He's talking about your life in Christ, and he says to venture causes anxiety. And when we venture in Christ, the truth is that there's a certain anxiety because we're putting it on the line. We're sacrificing everything that seems sensible that the world tells us is appropriate. We say, no, we're going for Christ. And there is a certain anxiety in it. There's a certain... I, I, I know, those Christians that say, I never think, what if? I've got to tell you, I often wake up and think, what if? Even though you know in your heart, definitely this is true. The Lord is real. I am redeemed. I am saved. He has purpose in my life. But there are just those fleeting moments where you go, oh, what if? We treat life as risk and fear or as faith and adventure. It's meant to feel a little uncomfortable. We're living on the edge. It's meant to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, today we live in a frightened world when people create their own world. And their own world will always divide because of fear. But this is what C.S. Lewis said, in a fearful world we need a fearless church. We may be a little bit anxious sometimes. We may worry a little bit sometimes. We may be very human, but in the middle of it all, we've got to be fearless. We've got to be fearless. We've got to stand up because our world is divided by fear. I don't think I've ever in my entire life known the world so divided, so messily divided. When I grew up as a kid, the world was cut and dried divided. It was, it was east and west. It was whatever, but now it's like everywhere, everywhere. Now it's got to the point where you try to drive onto the end of Wellington Street and you're worried that if you complain that you can't park in your building that you'll be accused of some sort of phobia. 
We're a very divided, fearful society. Fear creates boundaries and barriers and doubt. But here's what 1 John 4 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We've already heard it this morning. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I want to tell you about a boat trip, because this is so important. This, this week, we went on a boat trip. We got Julie onto a boat. You have no idea the achievement that was. The four of us went, we hired a boat. And we went sailing along the coast. And you know what the best thing was? The, the highlight of it for me was, we came up to this beach, and we suddenly realized there are all these rocks around us with blue paint on them. And we figured they were the bottoms of previous boats. And he had said to us, anchor about 30 meters out and swim in. We're not doing that. We're Vikings. We land on the shore. We, we, we do D-Day. We do the real deal. So Robert's, Robert's steering the thing. I was so proud. He's like master and commander. Should have seen the look. He just needed a patch. He was so, he had the grin on it. His face was splitting. He did that for four hours. And then it looked intense as we got to the rocks. And it was really funny because the three of us all went to the front of the boat and were going left, right, the rocks. Oh, it was, we just felt so cool. And then as we got near the shore, Megan just suddenly stood up and said, I'll drop the front anchor and get us on board. She just leapt out of the boat into the sea, just randomly out of nowhere, just leapt into the sea. And like pulled the anchor and, got, and it was great. And Robert pulled the boat up. And I just stood there thinking, I am their father. <laughs> It felt so good. And then when we got back to bring the boat back, once again, randomly, for no apparent reason, Megan just simply, simply said, I'll help the boat get to the dock. And again, for no apparent reason in the hour, we just leapt out of the boat into the sea and started swimming, pushing the boat. It was just bizarre. I was reminded of that because in World War II, this is important, this is a church reference. In World War II, the Navy saw an unusual phenomenon begin to happen. Whenever a, a ship was sunk in the northern seas, on the very cold northern seas, the older crew always survived the shipwreck. And the younger crew always died. The average age of the sailors that survived was over 40, even though they made up a minority of the crew. They concluded the young had strength and energy essential for the ship. The older had life experience and resilience to survive the storm. And so they started the outward bound course. And from that point on, when they realized that was the reality, all ship's crews in the Royal Navy were mixed ages. They mixed the ages, and you always worked with somebody older and younger, because then you got the best. You got the best. You got the experience and the mindset and the resilience, along with the energy and the passion and the ability. You got the best. Galatians 3.26 says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor fear, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Church, God does this amazing thing. He builds church. He builds ages and he builds cultures and he brings people together. He brings such unity. Thank you for helping it back. I've forgotten to put markers on when the slides come up. Just listen to this. I've got this one. When we see God for who he really is, we realize that he demonstrates his inclusiveness every turn. 
He's never the one who marginalizes or excludes because our God is a God of love. Our God is a God that draws people in and then he recreates them and he molds them and he builds them and he prepares them and he brings them together and he brings unity together. So we don't arrive in the church perfectly made. We don't arrive in the church fixed. We don't arrive in the church sorted. We arrive and we connect with Jesus who begins to recreate us and invent us. He draws us together and molds us. Our God is incredible. He doesn't marginalize. Actually, he reaches to the marginalized and he begins to recreate. Putting all this together, we begin to see some truths that we've got to observe. See, our true capacity in Christ is limited by our self-reliance and independence. We need others. For me to be my best, I need others. For the old sailors to sail the ships, they needed the young men. For the young men to survive, they needed the old sailors. Church, we need one another. We cannot be independent. That's why it says, gather, worship together, build together, encourage one another, admonish one another. The second thing is our true unity comes from a shared vision of Jesus. And that increases our capacity in Christ. We don't have a vision for a building. We don't have a vision for doing this. We don't have a vision for doing that. We have a vision for Christ. And because we have a vision for Christ, we do all these things. And our capacity together increase. And the third thing, our true identity in Christ, is found when we live stretching, stretched to our capacity. When we jump over the edge and risk faith, when we say we can fly... When we step out, that's when our true capacity in Christ is shown. We can see this risk of faith in Jesus himself. He prays the Lord's Prayer. How do we pray? Uh, For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. This is what Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It goes on. The prayer that Jesus teaches isn't about reciting words like an incantation or a set of magical words. You don't say it and suddenly think everything's fixed. It is just words, but it's talking about a lived out experience. We're, putting, we're using words to describe the life we're leading before him and the life we're asking him to enable us to lead. It's an expression of vision. It's a prayer that describes a vision and movement of God's people. It brings us our stability The Lord's Prayer describes our life as it can be in God. And that brings us stability. And Psalm 143 verse 10 says this, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. In God we find level ground. This is the truth. Everywhere else is rough. Everywhere else is dangerous. But in God, in God. Psalm 143 verse 10, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The Lord's Prayer does exactly that. It shows, it demonstrates level ground. The way we live our lives determines how we will survive that storm because there will be that storm. The first step is to, create, is to creating a successful movement we call church is to present a clear identity, creating a compelling vision and describe the purpose for that movement. Then explain its values for living that adventure and that's what the Lord's Prayer does. An identity our father our identity is we have a relationship we are family we are children of the living god that is who we are that just is the case when you give your life to christ that is it that is who you are it's a done deal that is our identity our vision hallowed be your name famous be your name making god famous that is that is our vision that people would lift the name of jesus that people would know who he is people would know the living god that is what we're about 
Our purpose, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We bring heaven to earth. Because we've seen how amazing our God is. We want people to experience that on earth. That is our purpose. Our values, give us today our daily bread. Dependent on God. Risking faith living. On nothing else. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have values that say we are a forgiving, gracious people because we have a, a forgiving, gracious God. We're not a judgmental, condemning people. We are a welcoming, inclusive people that want people to learn and to grow and to transform into a Christ-like nature. We create a culture of grace and loving that reflects Christ's character. Our leaders are not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are no shortcuts. How we get there matters as much as where we get to. The focus is our vision of Jesus, not our ministry, not the things we have, not the things we do. Our vision is always of Jesus. And that has to stand us through every aspect and storm and joy of life. It all stands and falls on a vision of Christ. Then we are more than individuals turning up for a church service. If we live the Lord's Prayer, we've begun to risk faith. The Lord's Prayer isn't magical words. It's a description of His functioning people. And we pray to be His functioning people. We had a kingdom of God movement called church, expanding and living his influence in our town. I've just had a lovely thing happen to me. This is not about rights and wrongs. It's the big pride parade in town. It's happening in the front of our building this year. And one of the organizers just come and apologize for not communicating with us and not including us and involving us this year because you've been so supportive in the past. Hey, how good is that? How good is that? It's also meant I haven't got to worry about compromising or offending or causing aggravation this year by trying to get all of that, that communication right. But you know what? This morning people are celebrating what they are and who they are. We're celebrating what we are and who we are for eternity. And we get to carry an eternal identity into our town centre. So I encourage you afterwards, go and say hello to one or two people. We're not celebrating their culture, we're celebrating Christ and just loving people that need loving. We're bringing good news to whoever because you know what? I don't care what T-shirt somebody wears, what colours they wear, what flag they wave. The reality is without Jesus, they're lost. No matter how good or bad somebody's life is, I'm not interested in weighing good or bad or extremes of good or bad unless they have a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. They can live life today, but there is no eternity. And we're eternal people, so we've got to have an eternal vision that looks beyond some of these things and says, you know what, we can break through this, we can see people recreated, we can see them discover the love of the Lord. You know, to be a Christian and not see, I've said this before, but to be a Christian and not see the work that God is doing all around you will be miserable. But to see his work around you is to be a follower of Jesus. And what I see in our town is Jesus. What I see beginning to happen in our town is the presence of Jesus. And who would have believed? I'm blown away by that Vansdorf story. I've been there. If, if, if I was going to tell you there's anywhere where a church was not going to be, I would have said Vansdorf. As soon as you drive into it, it's the, it was the grimmest place on earth to drive into, wasn't it, So, Just, I, I, wow, how good is our God? How good is our God? That has so blessed me, that, that just... I knew people had been saved. I didn't realize the ongoing impact for decades. See, 
Wow. That's astonishing. If you see him, ask him if he still makes pizza, if it's him. <laughs> I, just need to, I just need to know. One of the new converts. See, we get to risk faith every Monday to see what he's doing. Church, we get to risk faith. We get to do the outrageous. We get to jump on a minibus and drive across Europe to a place called Varnsdorf, do a bit of a gig in a, in a, in a nightclub, and 20 years later discover that there's an amazing church there. That's what we get to do. Why do we do that? Because that's a thrill. No, we get to do that because we have a vision for Jesus. Because we see who he is. Jesus empowers us by his Holy Spirit to create the change around us that needs to happen. That's our Father God prayer. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. My understanding says this is hopeless. But I lean on the Lord and his understanding so I know there is hope. It's why we call Hope House Church, because it's a declaration of truth. Because in this place needs to be the home the house where hope is found and where it is carried and where it is grown and where it is carried out and sent out. That's why we call it Hope House Church, prophetic voice into the place and a prophetic voice beyond it. Not one of judgment and stroppiness and we're against this and we're against but one that says Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. There is hope. Because then we have a purpose. When we have a, a Jesus vision, we have a future we can see. It's where we're going. When we have a Jesus purpose, we are going there. That creates a Jesus called mission. And that's why we say connect to real people, to real God in real life. No other vision works but Jesus. When, we get, when life gets tough, and it does, only Jesus is our uniting gathering point that we can be sure of. Anybody here have tough moments in their life? You may raise your hand now. Raise your other hand. You're now all charismatics. Well done. <laughs> we actually risk nothing when we risk faith in him. Because we're about eternal thinking, not just moment living. That's why our Monday morning stories of life matter. Who you are can be shared on a Monday morning, can, can be transforming. The things that you see and the things that you do and the conversations that you have, they're all part of your Jesus living that can have an impact on a Monday morning. The experience of Jesus living is so powerful because life has been tough and yet you still turn to Jesus. That is a story worth sharing. Then when you're blessed, you can say, I was blessed, and here's, here's who I'll give thanks to, Jesus. Your life is one long, powerful story. Not of perfection, but of the power and grace of God. You're an adventure. You are an adventure, and you're on an adventure. We call it discipleship. It's like an apprenticeship in Christ. And this is, I wanted, to give us, I wanted us to imagine receiving from God a revelation of our call. Not simply giving it our mental consideration, but, but owning it, receiving it. That's the difference between safe living and faith living. On that adventure, when everything else lets you down, Jesus is still our vision. I want us to get the T-shirt. It's time to get the T-shirt. I'm thinking about Wilbur and Orville Wright and what they said. We could hardly wait to get up in the morning. We've begun to believe that today could be the day, so we commit to it totally. Just imagine living a life that says, I cannot wait to get up on Monday morning because I get to go and live out Christ at work with my neighbours, with my family, at school, 
with the youth group, on the unemployment line, wherever it may be, on the bus. We could hardly wait to get up in the morning. We had begun to believe that today could be the day, so we committed to it totally. Can I have the band back up, please? There is no limit to the love of God. There is no limit. And because there is no limit to the love of God, then that, there is no fear in that love. But perfect love drives out that fear. So we needn't be fear, fearful of Monday mornings. We needn't be fearful of the political situation. We needn't be fearful about our future or our present, but simply rely on the love of Christ. And that brings us such unity. It brings us such togetherness. It binds us, and it gives us purpose, and it gives us reason. And it allows us to risk faith. Church, I encourage us as a people, as a group of ordinary people, let's just risk faith. Let's just risk stepping out. The situations that you're in, the circumstances that you're in, the things that have plagued you for years, the things that you've wondered about and questioned about, what if we just started to say, it's all about you, Jesus? That's not a cue for a song. <laughs> what if we just said it's all about you? That shifts everything. So here's what I'd like us to do. You don't have to participate in this. Um, but if you don't, Paul's going to take notes. Those that are... <laughs> you know what I said about the sailors, the young and the old? You know the pride I felt when Megan leapt into the water and pulled the anchor and Robert steered it and pulled the boat out. I just wanted to live in that moment forever. It was just like, come on. That's a really brilliant picture because a couple of years earlier I would have insisted on steering. I would have insisted on doing it. But you come to a place where we share it. Church, we want to share it. So I'm going to encourage you to do this thing. If you want to take part in this, I'm going to encourage you to go and stand with somebody, somebody near you, somebody next to you, just to pray for them, just to thank God for them. That's going to be our commitment to this risking faith. I'm going to ask that you pray a very short, simple prayer. And I say, Lord, would you help this person to risk faith in you? I'm going to compel you to do that. Don't force yourself on somebody to do that. But maybe there's somebody younger. Maybe there's somebody older. Maybe there's somebody that's in your mind or on your heart right now. Just go and pray that prayer for them. Lord, would you help this person to risk faith in you? Because I think greater things are still to come. Yeah. Greater things are still to come. Our God is good. All the, time. all the time and that's the place we need to live so as I pull all this series together I hope it's been of some help and some insight but we have to risk faith we have to find that place where we could hardly wait to get up in the morning to have another Christ day to another living for God day to have that opportunity despite the storm to say we're in this We've begun to believe that today could be the day, so we commit to it totally. You know what? Tomorrow morning when you get up, could be the day. It could be the conversation at work. could be the conversation with a neighbour. It could be that moment. Go looking for it. Go fishing for it. We are made to be fishers of men. Go looking for it. Search it out. Pray for it. Pray for the opportunity to share the goodness of our God. Know that your story is a powerful adventure. I'm going to pray band are going to lead us in a final song and as we're doing that if you want to pray with somebody you can do that we're a smaller crowd today the holidays and things so it's a little bit more personal it's a bit more helpful in that respect if you don't want that that's fine just say see to where you are or just stand and sing
But Lord, we pray that we would be your people. This morning, Lord, we ask that we would learn to risk faith. That we would learn to be our Father people. That that prayer will be a description of our passion. That our Father prayer will be a pattern of our lives. Lord, would you bless us in that? Would you help us to be the kind of people that are excited about getting out of bed in the morning because today could be the day. Today could be the Lord's day. Lord, we pray that you would inspire us and fill us with your spirit and enable us. Pray for every person here that we would risk faith in you. Amen. Let's worship. If you want to pray with somebody, could you go stand with them and to pray for faith over them. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fears like Jericho Build their walls around my soul When my heart is overthrown your love is my battle cry Oh, the anthem for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into Over fear, over lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you, oh, 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 oh. There is hope within the fight In the walls that rage inside Though the shadows steal the light Your love is my battle cry Oh, the anthem for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into Over fear, over lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into Over fear, over lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you no greater name no higher name no stronger name than Jesus you overcame broke every chain forever reign King Jesus no greater name no higher name, no stronger name than Jesus. You overcame, broke every chain, forever reign, King Jesus. Every giant will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, over fear, over lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is 
Impossible, every giant will fall. Mountains will move, every chain of the past. You broke it into over fear, over lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that we can risk our faith in you because at your name, every knee will bow. We don't risk our faith in ourselves. We don't risk our faith in anything but you.